Hey, welcome to episode 80 of the Gig Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stevie Taylor. I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. Before we chat with Carmen Smith, I just wanted to let you know that due to the COVID-19 restrictions, I haven't been able to meet up in person with Carmen, nor the last few episode guests have been having to do the podcast via video link. So please keep that in mind um, if you hear any sound glitches as such. Also, I want to tell you how you can subscribe to the Gig Life Podcast. Go to thegiglifepodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of that first page, click on the red button, pick your favourite podcast app and hit that subscribe button. Easy as that, eh? You can even set it to automatic download so all the new episodes get delivered straight to your app. Also, if you dig the Gig Life Podcast... You can share it with your friends or on your socials. Um, the Gig Life Podcast is free. You don't have to pay anything ever. But if you find the value in the show, you can securely donate. Go to thegiglifepodcast.com and click on that donate button. You can give as little or as much as you like. Any donation will go back into creating the great content for this podcast. Sweet as, episode 80, Carmen Smith. Here we go. guest today is Carmen Smith. Carmen, originally from Western Sydney, is a singer, songwriter and performer who has worked, toured and written extensively with some of Australia's best artists. Her first experience as a backing vocalist came in 2004 with Guy Sebastian and his first national tour. Since that time, Carmen has performed and toured with Diesel, Jess Malboy, Stan Walker, Diana Rubas, Ricky Lee, Rashan Patterson, Roachford, Tina Arena and many more. Come and join the cast of The Voice in 2012 and became the first contestant to ever be disqualified from the show and that was for breaking the spirit of the rules by appearing in Guy Sebastian's music video. But hey, no big deal, that experience actually raised her profile quite a bit and from that she's gone on to release more solo music which included one of the coolest music videos I've ever seen and she's continued to tour and perform with the best in Australia as one of the most sought after voices in the game. Carmen is as real as it gets, a unique talent, a big heart and it was a really cool hang. So ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the one and only Carmen Smith. Cheers. I think we're rolling. Carmen Smith, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. Thanks. 
Stevie. How's, how's it going? From Melbourne. From Melbourne, oh. yep. <laughs> it's good. It's bloody cold here. Oh, is it? it is. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit chilly here today in Sydney. Is it? Yeah, um, still got tears. But, you know, Melbourne, it's not unexpected, is it? Right, right. <laughs> it's freezing all the time. So they say Melbourne weather's a little bit like Wellington, except yeah, pro- actually, probably, probably, not as wind, probably not as windy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's basically cold and windy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, obviously COVID 19s hit and I, ha- I have sort of mentioned this in the last couple of podcasts, but yeah. it, it is the topic at the moment we're here, we're in it. Uh, I want to ask you what the, the full impact of it has been. Um, well, up to this point anyway, um, yeah. regarding to sort of how much work you had planned was the tours, um, yeah, and and how are you sort of navigating that at the moment? Uh, well, we're kind of what like two weeks into. Oh, actually, maybe a bit more than two weeks into it. But um, the day before it was, you know, the government came out saying it was a pandemic. Yep. I had just finished a run of gigs with Evelyn Champagne King, mm-hmm. which is like a disco. She's like an eighties disco legend. Mm-hmm. And I did it with Mondo Freaks, the, a Melbourne band. Mm-hmm. And um, we had just finished. And it was weird because the night before I said, you know, this coronavirus thing that's going around, I'm, you know, I'm a little bit worried about it. And, and some of the bands were like, nah, it's fine. Like, I think it's just going to be past. And literally the next day it was called a pandemic. And then within a week of that, all the gigs got cancelled. Wow. Is such a weird. Uh, even now, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I know that there was there was um, some stuff in the works because my life is just it's literally gig to gig and tour to tour. Right. But um, there was there was tours in the the works for, for Guy. I work with Guy Sebastian, mm-hmm. and there was a we were supposed to do Blues and Roots Fest. Actually, that was the first cancellation. Right. It was like. It just became very clear as the week went on that this was not going away and that we were pretty much going to lose. And just from that moment, I lost that gig and then all the other corporates that were coming up. And then, and then what, within the space of two days, was it? I think it was just like, yeah, okay, we're pretty much in lockdown. Mm. That was it. It's such a, a weird time to be. Um, Around music yeah. in the arts, really. Yeah. Is your, is, is your husband a working musician? Is that his? Yeah, he plays um, bass for Diesel. Oh, so really? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So his gigs, his gigs got canned as well. Right. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's still weird because what we're in April now, so it's been maybe three weeks mm. of this. And and I've been staying in contact with a lot of the guys in the bands that I work with. And just we're all we're all in the same place. A lot of them teach at uni as well, mm-hmm. so at least they they've got that. But I don't have that kind of um, uh, regular work, right? So trying to navigate myself through this time, and also I have a two year old yeah. son. Is um, it's it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Every I, I mean, I told you just before we started this mm-hmm. that. I've, had really shit weekend. Yep. I just was 
pissed off for I don't know why. I couldn't I couldn't get out of a funk. Mm-hmm. And it was probably because I was like, I should be gigging, I should be doing something. Yeah. So, yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, you know, you just mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. how you was, you had that sort of bad day. We, we just came back mm-hmm. from a walk, family walk. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to get out as much as we can, walk around the block. And, and um, my oldest daughter, she's been really positive. Like she's very aware. I mean, she's, she's 10. She's aware. She's aware um, that they've been at home for a few weeks from school. Um, and she's starting to miss her friends. But we, f- we found out today that one of her friends, um, like uh, her mother, like they were planning to move back to New Zealand at the end of the year. Wow. Um, her business has just been decimated. So they're going back to New Zealand in three weeks. So of course my Aww. daughter's not going to see a friend. And so she's, re- she's really starting to kind of, uh, that's when it, that's when reality hits for yeah. kids. I reckon. Yeah. And they can't out. see their mates or say goodbye to their friends. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we can't see them in person to say goodbye and give them a hug. But you know, we're just teeing, we're teeing up some FaceTime chats and so yeah. that, that's pretty cool. And, yeah, um, I mean, lucky we live in a generation we can do this. Oh, I reckon, eh? I reckon. Yeah, I mean, look, look, I'm trying to stay positive about it. Yeah. I mean, you've probably seen on my Instagram, I'm trying to just get into playing and stuff when yep. my son's not um, pulling at my yep. jumper, but I'm just trying to do something. I have to keep my voice going. Yeah. I just not sing. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah, I was talking to uh, – drummer Hamish Stewart today and he told me he's just been two, three hours on the pad, Mm. on the practice pad. I mean, that's great, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. He goes, I'm just trying to keep my hands going for when when we get the all going, we go back to work, Yeah, you know, so um, you've got to keep keep your craft up, eh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I've always, I mean, the whole Instagram kind of putting singing up, I haven't done it. People who know me just, I just never do it. Right. I don't know why I didn't in the past. Yeah, I, I don't know why. It's, awesome. it's awesome. It kind of just made me cringe a little bit, but yeah. I just thought, no, I have to just, um, I feel like we're also at the dawn of a new age and you can't just sit around and things are changing too fast for us to just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to stick to my little world. Yeah. They're changing hourly, literally yeah. hourly, aren't they? Literally every day that. I think for a good two weeks there, it was like, oh, something new's happened. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I've stopped watching the news so much. Right. Can't I, do it anymore. I've subscribed to the uh, Australian government WhatsApp. Yes. Yes. That's all I look Me at. Too. That's all I look yeah. at now. I just wake up in the morning and I hit number yeah. one and it gives the 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 numbers and then the yeah. latest news and then that's it. I'm out. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Yep. I'm with you. Yeah. Anyway, let's um, let's roll back to early days, Carmen Smith. Um, were you you were born and raised Western Sydney? Yeah, yeah. Mount right. Mount Druitt. Mount Druitt. Yep. Yep. Um, pretty much until I was an adult, I was in the Western suburbs. Yep. Um, my dad's my dad and my mum were taxi drivers, and then they owned a pizza shop all in the West right. area. And I don't know. I'm the youngest of seven. Okay. So, so I mean, my 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 family are pretty musical anyway. Mm-hmm. So, being the youngest, I kind of kind of stole. My influences are what 
my siblings were listening to. Right, and what's that? Basically. What was that? I have memories of Anita Baker. Oh, cool. And Whitney and a lot of singers, singers, and Michael and Prince and my sister, because my sister's a guitarist, mm. so she was she was listening to all the cool stuff. Mm. And, yeah, and then I got, as I got older, I kind of discovered discovered R&B, but I felt like, especially down in the West, you know, we just weren't getting, I remember my cousin coming from Auckland and bringing Babyface over and all these artists I'd never heard of. Mm. I was like, what is this new world of R&B I've never heard? Right. And I just said to her, where are you getting this music? She said, from New Zealand. I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I find this music? And then that just, and then I found a, a local um, record store that was selling those records. Right. And I was like, I was there every single day. What is this? Can I listen? And he just let me listen to the albums and then go because oh, I couldn't afford a way. Every day is like, hi, Carmen. Right. I, um, <laughs> but, yeah, my parents, I mean, my parents always encouraged my scene, I think from an early age, they could, they had a show off on their hands. Right. <laughs> and what, <laughs> I was what like, Mom, Dad, listen to this. Look what I can do. And then they just put me in dancing and piano. Like literally my whole, um, I reckon from the age of five to like 15, my whole life was taken up by athletics, like extracurricular activity, athletics, swimming, dancing, singing, piano. Right. Just... But trying to burn as long as I can remember. But the piano, I just never stuck. My mum was my mum's a pianist. Right. But it just never stuck. I was like, oh, this classical music is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I don't see how this relates to the music that I like. Right. But but at that time, that you know, there wasn't people teaching you that that kind of stuff contemporary. Right. So, but I, you know, my parents were like one hundred percent behind me. They were just like. We know you want to do this, just keep going. And then I, by the time I finished year 12, I was like, all right, let's go. I just want to get out of, get out of here and go to the big city. And that's pretty much what I did. But you, do, you, do you know the um, magazine Drum Media? Oh, yeah. Does that still exist? I, no, it doesn't. Oh. No, nah, I, I, I got my first gigs through Drum Media. When I first so first I. came to Australia, yeah, so a lot of us, yeah. Well, anyone who remembers Drum Media knows that it was just like a, what was it? It was like a newspaper yeah, for Yeah, well, musician, or not just musicians, just a, a, a music. And yeah, and just ads for shows and gig guides and, and um, That's the one. there'd be interviews with the, the band, yeah. the big band that was coming to town. And then at the back, yes. at the back there was, it was all the, the ads. The, all the buy, and, ads. the buy and sell and then musicians yes. available, you know. Well, my dad was like had subscribed to that yep. and that's pretty much how he just was like, how do I get my daughter into the industry? Oh, so he cool. just would highlight things and ring people. But oh, remember wow. that I was like 14 at the time. Right. I mean, we know now that it's like, you know, a lot of the people that he went to and just gave his hard-earned cash to to make demos for me were just absolute rubbish. Just shonk, shonk and it still And it still pisses me off. I'm like, if I ever <laughs> see that, 
it just annoys me to think that like they spent that much money yeah. for me. But I think it was just my dad going, how do I get my daughter out? Because I just think she's, my dad was like my biggest fan. So he was just like, how does people hear her? So he just did that for ages, karaoke contests. I, I hated them. Yeah. The weird thing is, is like I was a show off at home, but I was um, terribly shy anywhere else. Right. In the comfort of my home, I was cool because I had my siblings and that was safe, mm. little bubble for me. Yep. But outside of that, it was like, why are you forcing me to do stuff? Right. But it, it was just my dad going, like, he could see talent and he's just like, why didn't you want? So he would say things like, you don't want this. And I was like, I do, but just not like this, just not forced. But, you know, he's his dad. Yep. He's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> my biggest fan. So yep. I get what he was doing. It was just like. I just I think it frustrated him that I wasn't more like, yeah, I'm amazing. Like at home I was, but so he was like, why can't you just do that for other people? I was like, because I don't know them. <laughs> I don't know these weirdos. Um, but so by the time I was 18 and ready to, he was still looking at um, ads in drum media and then he found through, I can't remember how he met this, this lady, her name was Tash, and I she was just kind of, she knew a lot of musicians and the first meeting my dad goes, do you want to marry my daughter? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, bless him. Like yeah. he didn't know I did. He's a taxi driver. He just, he was just like, you seem to know people. And she said, yes, weirdly. And, um, and then that's kind of how I started in the industry. It's weird to think, but. Yeah, she she introduced me. She said, "Oh, come and you have to meet. You have to meet a friend of mine." I was like, "Okay, cool, cool." I just was like, "Cool." I don't, I don't know. I'm not in school anymore. Sweet. I was just happy to be singing to somebody. And she said, "Oh, look, he's he's um he's a musician." And we get to the cafe. It's just it was just a cafe meeting for, and he just looked like he was doing her a favor. Like he was just being nice because she was like, you have to meet this girl. And so I met and she goes, come and they were talk- chatting for a bit and then she said, come and sing to him. I was like, <laughs> now at the cafe. And she was like, yeah, just do it. I was like, and he just looked really awkward. But this person that I was singing to was, I don't know if you know Dennis Dowlett. I've heard that name. So Dennis and Dara and his brother were in a group called Caleb. Ah, right, okay. Um, and they had just started this this record company um, with two other co-owners, George and Matt, and they had just signed Jeremy Gregory. Yep. Do you know Jeremy? Yep. Yeah. So amazing singer. Yep. I knew he was from the moment I met him because I'm just a music fan. Right. So I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's Kayla. It's Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was freaking out. And then this lady, Tasha, she was like, sing to him what? So I sing to him and he didn't say a word. He just kind of put his coffee down and he was like, cool. I was like, oh my God, this is, I blew it. What am I doing here? I'm singing in the middle of a cafe in Bondi. Um, And then we didn't hear anything. And like two days later, Tash got a call from him and he was like, well, that's one of the best voices I've ever heard. So we want to sign her. Just from me singing <laughs> cafe, I think I sang 
an Angie Stone song or right. whatever song came to my head at that moment. Yep. And it just like that. So like I'm just this kid out of school in the Western suburbs and then all of these things were happening. So in my head I'm going, wow, it's all, like this is it. Like I'm signed and these guys know what they're doing and this is amazing. But I was also a kid who had kind of, I'd grown up with my dad and my mum telling me, you're the best and you're amazing and you can do it. So I think I just had this kind of um, skewed version of what the reality of music, the music business was because I'd never, I'd never experienced anything. So this happened so quickly after school that I thought, oh, my gosh, this is it. This is how it happened. Um, and from that moment I started they basically, because they were busy with Jeremy, he had just released his single, um, sorry, my okay. phone. All good. Just silence it. Um, he had just released his single, so they were busy doing that. And I think they just were like kind of figuring out who I was as an artist. Yep. Um, probably one of the things that I didn't realise is that I didn't know who I was. I was 18 mm. and I think it's, um, looking back on it on that time, I think they realised pretty quickly that I didn't know who I was. So in, in fairness to them, this, by the way, this record deal kind of fizzled out uh, a, a few years later, but I think it was, in fairness, they, they just realised that I just didn't know who the hell I was. And I was 18. I just was like this, in, lived in this bubble with my siblings um, so they were, were they want that? Were they kind of wanting you to know who you were, or or because there's, there, uh, I'm sure there's. I mean, I, I know of other cases where record companies have picked up somebody and know for a fact that they don't know who they are, and they just go, ah, we can mold this one, uh, we can okay. we yeah. can make mm. this product, you know. Yeah, I think. Like at that time, Jeremy was a bit older. He was, you know, he had a bit more life experience. I, I think it just dawned on them really quickly that I was, I was quite innocent and a kid, um, a bit naive, right. very like. Um, but then they made a few suggestions to me that I was like, no, that's not, that's not me. And I think mm. that's when they went, oh, she's actually not that easy to mold. Right. Okay. Cool. Because, I mean, maybe I didn't know who I was, but I knew that some of the things that they were saying, I was like, nah, man, yep. that's, I don't sound like that. Really? That's what you hear when you hear my voice? Right. Nah. <laughs> and so, um, uh, yeah, it just, I, I went, um, I went from being like this young kid who was like, yay, I'm signed to what's happening <laughs> It's literally yeah, silence right. I mean, there's nothing's happening. And I love those guys like um, George, who was one of the um, members of that, that record company. We still work together. He's Guy's tour manager. Oh, like, cool. He's such a legend. He became my publisher later on. Right. Um, but it just became clear that it was, it was kind of moving in different directions, our, what we saw, mm-hmm. the product being. Um, I was pretty headstrong weirdly i mean i was shy and reserved what, was, what do you say weirdly what because you were shy because i was shy but i just kind of knew that what they were wanted from me was 
at that time as an 18-year-old, I was not ready to, I didn't have the confidence to pull off. Mm -hmm. I think they probably wanted me to be a bit sexier or whatever and I just, I hadn't hit that point yet. Mm -hmm. I was, I wasn't ready for it. So, um, and um, the good thing about that was that it got me into writing songs. So I started writing. They just put me with a whole heap of different people, which is weird in itself, I find. It's like, hi, nice to meet you. Let's be intimate, like, about let's write an intimate song. I don't know you, but let's do this in a day. Right. That that was another thing that was like, whoa, this is, I'm not, I don't know if I'm cut out of this kind of writing, right. which is, but I did meet amazing people and I met, that's how I met my husband. Okay. Uh, he was one of the writers that um, they suggested, and we just hit it off. Like musically, I felt like, oh my gosh! This is... I remember saying to my parents, like, I want this guy to produce my record because I felt like we were just in sync when it came to how we thought about music and yeah. musical choices. That's great. So um, yeah, but within that time, I think I was by the time I was about twenty-one, it was pretty clear that nothing was going to happen with this record of right. mine that I was supposedly meant to write. And um, Darren also, Dennis is, so I spoke about Dennis and Darren. Yep. Darren Darren passed away sadly at that time as well. Oh. He was he was only 27 maybe, I think, 27. But he, he was really ill and mm. then it was just like, okay, this is, it's time to just, let this go, this part of my life. And Rich was the one that actually said, I think you should just keep writing because you're good at it. You should just keep, don't fall into a funk and don't be depressed. This is not the end of the world. You're like 21. But, of course, in my head I was like, yeah, you're right. But really I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were you writing? Do you remember what you were writing about back then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Things I knew nothing about. Um, no, there were a few things I did, but I remember writing a song with Darren actually before he, he passed away long before. Mm. And it's still like, I can still hear the song in my head. I know it off the heart. It was such a good song, but, um, sadly that never got, got released, but yeah, I was writing about love and breakups and, Mm -hmm. and things because I was so heavily influenced by the Whitney songs and the, all the heartbreak songs you hear, you know, you know what to write about. Yeah. You know, people love a heartbreak song. Yep. I love a heartbreak song. Yeah. Or an angry song or, a, but uh, yeah, I mean, that was the stuff I was kind of writing about. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was, <laughs> now I look back and I go, wow, Carmen, yeah, no idea, but okay. <laughs> Got to start somewhere, sure. though, eh? You got to. Well, yeah. I mean, it got my songwriting skills up. Yeah, and that's how I kind of went into the world of songwriting with Rich, and and I got signed by George, who was one of the co-owners of Bond Records. Mm-hmm. I got signed to his um, his publishing company, right. so I was there, and that's how I kind of started writing songs for other people through my own stuff. Which was weird for me because I was like, oh, man, I want to release an album. Why am I writing songs for other people? Right. So that publishing, is that Peer Music? Mm, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Peer Music. Yeah. Are you still there today? No, because Rich was signed to them. Okay. 
Um, my husband was signed to them yep. and then they signed me as well because they were like, because in one year, Rich and I got about five cuts oh, on cool. records awesome. and I think they were just like, we're on to something. So they signed me too. But I don't know, songwriting for, um, songwriting was a was a weird one for me because it was at a weird time where I felt like I should be working on my own record. Right. But instead I'm writing because when you're assigned to a publisher, that's it. It's like, okay, we need you to write a song for this person yep. and it needs to be this vibe. Yep. And I'm sitting there going, I don't care about who am I writing for. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, so I had to get over my own um, frustrations and ego with that stuff mm. at the time because I was young too. I felt like, what am I doing? Mm. I'm 22 or whatever. And um, now I'm already old news. <laughs> No. I've got to write for for people. Yeah. And and like if I'm being completely honest, sometimes it was like they'd come in for a session because in that time of of like I didn't know what was happening with the record company, Rich got me, um, he kind of kicked my ass a little bit in the studio and he was like, no, you can learn to re- record yourself. You can learn to do this stuff yourself. I'm not sitting here doing it for you now. Okay. That's cool. Um, which is good. I feel like a good kick in the butt for everyone is when you need it. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember like sometimes having singers that were signed to like major record labels in there. I'm thinking they are so rubbish. You can say shit. You you asked me before if you could swear. Oh. That's that was yeah, I, that was I, so shit. Shit, 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 shit. Um, um, and I had to sit there and record them and tell them what to sing and tell them how to sing it. Oh, and let me write the song for you as well. Yeah. It was just so for me, it, for someone who who at 18 was like, yeah, I'm going to write my record and then to be there like four years later helping some rubbish person, singer, mm. write theirs was like super frustrating for me. But... Now I can look back on that time and go, I learned so much. But just being able to produce a track, even a demo, a, a crappy demo, mm-hmm. I learned that stuff mm. by um, through through all that frustrating time. I learned how to record myself, how to do vocals, how to write a song, how to record someone else, tell them what to do. So, I mean, I can look back at it now, but at the time I was like, Oh my gosh, when is this going And that's the reality. It's like when I was 16, 17, and then I get signed at 18, it's like, woo, and then 22, it hits you, and you go, ah, oh, right. <laughs> okay, it's not exactly how you think it's going to be. Yeah, were you gigging as well? Were you playing, were you singing in any bands? And um, did, did you hit the, were you on the cover, cover band scene or anything like no, that? No, okay, yeah. see. The covers thing was like, it's weird how how it all happened for me, but just as I was going out of that record deal, Mm -hmm. I got asked to do an audition by Carl Dimitaga, amazing guitarist. He was playing Guy's band and I got asked to audition for Guy and he had just one idol. This is the other thing is that the whole world was transitioning to this new thing of reality TV and pop stars and so, you know, I don't know if you remember how much of a phenomenon um, Idol was sure at do. that time. The first, that first year was like, it just took over. 
And then, um, and that changed everything in the songwriting world as well because it was like everyone was pitching just oh, to yeah, right. just to these shows. That was all you were pitching for then. You were just writing songs for this. So um, I got asked to audition for Guys Thing with Natasha actually. Right. Natasha and I did the, the audition together. Yep. Um, yeah, and then it was like like that. They were like, oh, Guy wants you to sing on his national tour. Oh, cool. I was just, and, and at that time I had only been working on lead vocals. So I was like, how the hell I don't, I can do harmonies in my, on my tracks. Yeah. But doing it live for someone else is like a whole other thing. So I had to just make this switch in my brain. So I just was like, all right, I've got this gig and he was massive. This was like he just won. 2004, and I was like, all right, I'm going to learn the back to front this stuff. Like, and Daryl was the music director for that. Yep. Um, Daryl Beaton. So this this wasn't and this wasn't the Idol band touring, was it? This was no, no. So this is guy guy released released another album called The Beautiful Life. Yep. So it was kind of his first foray outside of Idol, and he was at he still had the fro, and and I was a kid, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm. I don't know how this has happened. Now I'm a backing vocalist. Because mm. people ask me all the time, how did you just, how did you get into the industry? It's like, that's know. literally <laughs> how I did it. I don't know. <laughs> I just did this audition and it was like, he likes your voice, cool. Um, so then I just, I remember walking into the room. Like I was still, I think I was, I don't know how old I was, like 20, 21, 22. I was still a kid. And I walked into this room and I saw the first person I saw was Gary Pinto. And I just lost my mind. I was like, oh, my God, CBB. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my, I had posters of you in my room. Did you? Um, <laughs> holy crap. And the thing is I had gone to watch covers gigs, but I hadn't at that point, I wasn't really doing any covers gigs. Yep. I was in a different world. So then I walked in and I see this room of crazy good musicians, just people I'd heard about, like just amazing. Prince Stevens was in the band, um, uh, Derek Antunes on drums, um, who else? Daryl, I was just like in awe. So I was just like, okay, I can't stuff this up. I've never done backing vocals. What if I suck at it? Mm. So I just learnt every single part there possibly was just because I was like, I can do this. Because at that time as well, I wasn't working. I was just like waitressing. Yeah. So I was just like, cool, I'm going to make some money from singing finally. Um, uh, so I went and did that. And it was a it was a very like he had dances. He had the whole bit. This was when he, it was just guy fever. And then after that, it just was quiet for me again. And it was, I had this high and then it was just, okay, mm. now what? <laughs> now what do I do? So I was still, I just kept the songwriting because I was on a five-year deal publishing. So I just kept, I kept doing that stuff. But I think um, for all of that time, I was still frustrated. I was just like, why am I not mm. doing my own stuff? Um, just going back to the, but, going back to the back, yeah. backing vocal thing. Mm. Did you have like a mentor there? We, we Could you go to Guy or go to one of the other singers and say, you know, 
because you were saying you hadn't done the backing vocal thing before. Oh, you got to yeah. try and work that. Oh, okay, right, and the blending and Gary's, that. Gary is the. I, I don't know if you know Gary. Oh, pers- well, but not personally, no. He is just uh, the most generous, um, selfless singer and person you will ever ever meet. Mm-hmm. And I think he could just tell that I was just what have I entered into and he just guided me but um the whole way through and he has done my whole career like the big some of the biggest gigs I've ever done they've all if I think back on it it's Gary's always been there right almost every single part of my life Mm -hmm. Gary's always been we just seem to just find each other all the time um yeah and so he got me through that he would he would sing me over and over my parts if I was nervous. And he'd always say, Carmen, you've got it, you've got it. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this kind of stuff. <laughs> and then there was choreography. Yeah, right. Which which I was cool with because. Because you're a dancer. Dancing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, dancing, I can't say that. I, I never say I was a dancer because I feel like there are actual genuine professional dancers out there who I consider dancers. I wasn't like, I just think I was. I did the dancer lessons as a kid and then I can move pretty I can follow choreography. Right. But I wouldn't say I'm a dancer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, like Gary's been that person for me, for sure. He's just guided me through. And and Rich, my husband, um, he, he he's taught me a lot and he pushed me hard. Mm. I remember I used to think that he was he was really hard on me and I, I'd He'd get me to tears in the studio, but mm. I can I know now that it was because he was always like, I've always thought you're great, like you're good, but I just was trying to help you to be great. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sorry if it ever came out like I was being harsh, but because honestly we would spend late nights in the studio and he just like, I remember him saying to me once, he'd hate that I'm telling this story, but... <laughs> um, I remember him just saying, are you going to sing it with feeling or should we just go go to dinner or something? And I just broke down in tears and he's like, you just have to stop thinking, just sing. We shouldn't be here doing 50 takes, like three max and then you should. And that's like he taught, that's, he taught me to be precious about the right things in, in singing, mm. like, like notes, whatever. Did you get a feeling when you was there? Because he was like, I don't care about your notes and if you, you can do all the notes in the world, but if I don't feel anything when you sing something, I don't care. Mm. And so I always find that if I do more than three takes of anything now, it's rubbish. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but but at that time I, I definitely needed the the that kind of kick in the butt, especially like Gary is so nice. He would never say anything mean or nasty and neither would Rich, but they were the kind of people that I needed or I felt like I needed because I, I like I said, my beautiful family, but it was a bubble. So coming into this world where it's like, no, you actually have a lot to learn. You're good, but you still got a hell of a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think those realisations was a lot to happen to me in, in a short time. It's like, whoa, okay, wow, I'm all right. I'm 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 pretty good. But and Rich Rich said to me once, he was like, there's a lot of luck involved in this industry as well. Like 
you're 22 and you're about to do like the biggest act in the country right now you're about to go and do his tour that doesn't just happen to anyone Mm. there's a lot of luck involved he said I'm not saying that you're not good it's just there's luck as well and the more and more that I've um been in the industry I understand what he was trying to say to me Mm -hmm. it wasn't him saying oh you're just lucky but he's saying there's an element of luck in everything they do because he said to me and I suppose that's why we're touching on covers gigs mm. he said to me you haven't had to you're 22 you haven't had to go out and do the nasty cut, crappy your, gigs. cut your teeth type thing yeah yet yes and yep. um he's yep. like and here you are like I know so many singers that would want that gig yeah. so many singers and here you are this kid just coming in and doing an audition and getting a gig and when he put it like that I was like you're right And so basically I just, from that moment, that guy gig, I was just like, I just shut up and I just learned as much as I could. I watched everybody and I just, I just said, yep, I can do that. Even if it was a lie, I was just like, yep, I can do it. Yep, I've got this because it was like this, this would be wasted if you didn't pay attention. Yep. You know? And so then after, after that guy tour, um, there was nothing. It was very quiet. I was just waitressing. Now, the whole waitressing thing happened because <clears throat> Rich made a really, when we were recording, he said, you've got such a unique tone and voice that I don't think you should go and do covers gigs. And I was like, but I need money and I need experience. Mm. Like, I need to do this. And he said, I know, but... If you can hold off and not do that right now, you should because there's something to be said for not singing covers because if you sing covers night after night, week after week for years and years because eventually you start to copy the singer, the original singer, and you start losing what he was like and I just I wouldn't want that for you. I don't want you to lose your uniqueness ever because it's awesome and that's what makes you so uh, that's what makes people love your voice. Mm. There's your tone, the way you pronounce words. Um, And so I took his advice. I was like, I mean, I respected him and I respect him Mm. and trust him. So I was like, yeah, okay. I I understood what he's saying. So I just went out and I just waitressed for like five years maybe Mm. until the end of Idol actually, all that idol stuff um about 2008 and it's only now in hindsight I understand what he meant Mm. about about covers gigs in saying that it's not to say that I didn't do covers gigs it was just it happened at a different like a completely different way yeah yeah I get it yeah um and so I did start doing covers later on I'm gonna say like maybe 2008 Mm -hmm. or nine it was like, okay, we wanted a whole group of my Michael Dolce, um, uh, Michael Barber, a keyboard player, Rich, and uh, Scotty Applin as well. Who do you know, Scotty? I, I don't know him personally. I know who he is. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, Michael and Scott, are, uh, Scotty's the music director for, um, for the, the Voice. Voice. Yep. And he, we just wanted to do a fun project together. Mm-hmm. We worked all worked together. And so we just started doing covers and that's when I finally started doing covers gigs. But by then, 2008, I already knew who, 
like I knew my voice. Yeah. I knew who I was. Yep. So at that point, Rich just felt if I went too early and did it as a teenager into like my twenties, that it would set how I sung forever on. Right. But 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 because I didn't and I waited until I had found my own voice and knew what I do, it covers never sounded like covers. I just sung them the way I would sing them. It's almost like he's a Jedi. See that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, some, that's some pretty amazing oh, advice. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it was because he spent because he was a songwriter and producer. Yeah. And he had just spent so many years before even meeting me. Right. Doing that stuff. And he would have seen it. Is that he had seen it. Yeah. And he, you know, I mean, once we were together, this is like pre us getting together is when he was saying this. But after we got together, he was uh, probably a bit more honest with me and he was like, I remember hearing your voice and going, holy shit. Yep. Like, how is this girl 18 or 19? Right. Um, um, but he goes, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to make a big spectacle of it and I appreciate that now. I appreciate him not being so like, oh, my God, oh, my God, because um, – I think, like I said, that bubble that I grew up in, it's like my parents love me. They were always going to tell me amazing. But when you don't get a reaction like your parents would give you, yeah. like, oh, okay, all right. So he made me work really hard and he pushed me really hard. But because I respected and loved him, I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do this. Let's do it. You tell me what I need to learn and I'll learn it. That's great. That's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, aren't we all students? I feel like every time I work with somebody, I'm still learning something. Totally about about my singing and what I need to work on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so during that that break when you were waitressing, you, you made it sound mm. like it was a good four or five years. Was that four or five mm-hmm. years doing nothing, like no no gigs, no tours? Oh no, I mean, I was there was other doing, stuff. But, okay, yeah, yeah, like I. I did tour after after the guy thing. There was a there's a good year break, I reckon. Okay. Where there wasn't much, um, and I was a newbie. No one really knew of me because I wasn't in the cover scene either. Right. So I was like, who? Um, <clears throat> and then uh, I got a call from my friends Michael Dolce and Rich. Got a call, I think, um, about doing some singing for. Do you remember the Young Divas? Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This time. <laughs> oh gosh. But there was so basically for those of you who aren't privy to the Young Divas, there was four girls from Idol that were like solo singers that were all put together in a group called the Young Divas and they were singing like old disco songs. And it, it took off, but they needed a backing singer. And I remember specifically saying, Why? There's four of them. Yeah. Why do they Yeah. But but it turns out that they were each doing their own solo as well as doing thing. they were doing their own little solo bit and right. they needed someone. Right. So there I was for two and a half hours just <laughs> um, <laughs> on my own. It was just like yeah. the secret fifth member. Oh, it was weird. Um, so you but, were you were the sole backing vocalist, right? <laughs> just just me. Right. It was so odd. Um, but yeah, I so I did that, and then I did a little run with. Do you know Rasan Patterson? No. He's a he's a US kind of R and B singer. I mean, and I was a kid then too. And far out, this guy, this guy's voice 
is insane, mm. insane. But I just remember that tour because I was a baby and um, his voice was just, and I thought, I can't do this, I can't do this gig, this guy's ridiculous. He's on another level of singing. But I did it and I just, I've, I still remember that gig as being just one of the most enlightening, as in he was the person that just would do this in the middle of a gig. He'd kind of just look at you and point at you and you just had to riff. Oh, <laughs> right. Again, I was the soul backing singer. Right, right. There's, um, a, there's some pressure and, right there, far out. I know. And, and for someone who's never, like, really done covers or he was just like, what do you mean? And he looked at me one night and he just he just gave me a look. And it, from that moment I just went nuts. And he said, I remember him coming after he goes, okay, let's talk about our favourite moments from the show. And I said, I said, okay, you go. And he goes, come and solo. Cool. I was like, oh, my gosh. this I can't even tell you. It was just a masterclass in vocals watching him. So, I mean, I did do gigs. That's the thing. I was, I, I did um, the tour. But, you know, a tour in Australia yeah. is like a little run of gigs. It's like the main, for me. the main cities yeah, and like a few sort of. Yeah, the main cities. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's not enough to keep you going. Um, but then not long after that, I got the, a call to do, cause at the time I had been doing some sessions like, you know, jingles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got somebody had suggested me to Erin Clark, who was doing the, um, she was like vocal coach on the, on Australian Idol. Idol yep. I got a call from her. Actually, Natasha, she's just everywhere. Um, <laughs> I was at Natasha's house helping her move. She was living in a house in Bellevue Hill mm. and she was moving two doors down and we, I had this weekend free and her and I literally moved everything from one apartment to, to two doors down. And and I distinctly remember this day because a bird shat on my head. <laughs> and then I got a call because I was like, I have no work. I'm just waitressing. I just, am I going to get a call again? Because there's always that thing. It's like, is anyone ever going to call me? Um um, and I, the bird shot on my head and then my phone rang <laughs> and it was Erin O'Clark asking me if I wanted to sing on Australian Idol this season. I was like, wow. oh, my God, that, if that's not the bird shooting on my head giving me good luck, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, and that, was, and that started my whole thing on TV. Yep. Like, and, of course, Gary was there. It was me and Gary. Um, so so at, after the guy thing, I didn't really hear from Guy after that. It was, I think he did another tour, but they had a smaller band. And so I was kind of off doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. So at that time I wasn't really working with Guy and he had a couple of changes. And um, But then I met up with Gary in 2000 and I can't even tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, I think it was about 2006 and I did three, three seasons of Australian Idol, but I kept waitressing. Mm-hmm. Because, because it was, it, it wasn't enough. It still wasn't enough to just quit all my work, and I wanted to keep that going. Yeah. So I didn't. With not to be a snob, but it was just like, I don't want to lose what makes me unique. So I'm just going to do waitressing and do idol. Gotcha. And that'll be it. And in that time, I met Jessica Malboy. Mm-hmm. Um, she needed a singer, and. 
she was a baby. Like this is before she released her big yeah. album. And we did a whole heap of writing together. So she came over and hung out with us and we did writing. This is when they're trying to figure out what she was. But the thing right. is, you see, like Jess in the studio, it's like, no, that's a singer. Mm. <laughs> it was, everything was so easy. She was just like, yeah, I can sing that. <laughs> she was just in, her vocals are insane and it was yep. easy. Yep. Um, so, so we got to know, I got to know Jess when she was like little baby Jess. Mm-hmm. But um, then, she, so I did some touring with her and that's, Natasha and I did that together. Mm-hmm. Um, um, we sp- I spent a lot of time with Jess actually, and then Idol was ending, and Stan, Stan won Idol, and for for what reason I cannot tell you to this day, he just um, Gary and I, he just would make a beeline for us every day. Mm. He just like come in, um, and Erin like. We weren't supposed to talk to the contestants, really. Oh, right. But for some reason, Hayley Warner, who came second, is still one of my best friends in the world. Um, and Stan, like, they just would not leave us alone. And we used to get in a bit of trouble for that. But it's like, what do we do? We can't just ignore them when <laughs> yeah, they yeah. come and say hello tell, to tell us. Tell them off. You know? Tell them to go away. Yeah. yeah. Come Give me a break. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um but, yeah, that's how the whole relationship with Stan kind of started. He was like, you're going to sing for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was writing my own album. I remember 2008 was I was in the middle of all these gigs because I started to get quite busy in that kind of 2006 to 2008 period. Mm-hmm. It was Stan. It was Jess. Right. Um, um, so I was, I was pretty, you know, thankfully busy. But always in the back of my head is like, when am I going to write? myself a record right. I need to just and then it just became a bit more like I actually just need to release something and move forward it wasn't even about like uh those kind of 18 year old like I'm gonna be a star it was just like I need to, to do this for myself yep because I'm, I'm going a bit crazy need to I, scratch that creative itch and get it out there and, yeah yeah yep. and, and I think it was because I was seeing for other people it made yep. it a bit more frustrating mm. for me at mm. that time mm. and so I I bit the bullet and Rich and I wrote a record and it was just a self-titled record but um the funny thing is you start you, when you release your own music you realize um, your strengths <laughs> and <Right>. your weaknesses <laughs> right. <laughs> And I think mine was um, my strength was my weakness, I think, was that I didn't follow through very much. Like we did the record and then I kind of just, it was like, okay, now it's time to push. I just didn't really. Oh, right. You thought, you you thought, oh, my bit's done. My bit's done. I sang. the record. Yeah. yeah. Everybody buy it. (laughs) Everybody love it. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, oh, man, when you come to that realisation, like, oh, the work is not done because because the thing is it's when it's self-funded and you're doing it all yourself, man, <laughs> and then you're touring as well yep. and doing a TV show and and not that they're not all great things but they're things that keep you very busy mm-hmm. and extremely make you extremely tired. Mm-hmm. So by the time the product came out, I was like, 
What do you mean I got to like do stuff with this now? <laughs> and then put on a live gig. I mean, I did a couple of live gigs and they were just so buzzy. Mm. Uh, like I still count them as some of my best gigs just because I had my friends around me playing and they were playing my songs. Um, but I, th- I think now I can, I know what my strengths were and that you need a team. Now I understand what the, the, the record companies, it's like, oh, that's what they do. <laughs> right. Like they help you with the follow through and the push and the, when you're tired. Um, but when you're doing it all yourself, you don't, you kind of don't have that luxury. You don't have the machine yep. behind you. And then, and then gigs started to come in. So there was a lot of, I don't want to say distractions, but they kind of were to your own stuff. Mm. It just kind of like, oh, okay, I've got to go tour now, so can we just put this on hold? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, and and I was having, the thing is, if I was having a rubbish time, I wouldn't have done it, but I was having so much fun touring, you know. Yeah. I realised like, oh, I love this. Mm. This is fun. Yeah. And so, so, you, were, so you were touring with, with Jess? Yeah. And Stan. And Stan. Yeah, I did a couple of, like, New Zealand tours. Hi, New Zealand. I'm just your biggest fan. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's like second home. Um, yeah, so I was touring with Jess and Stan yep. at that time. And then uh, I don't know where I'm at. Uh, and, oh, that was Idol. And you got Ricky Lee here as well on you. Oh, yeah, Ricky Lee. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd already worked with her on the Divas. Oh, the Divas, the of Divas. course. Yep. And then I was doing her stuff and – um, I, I just remember being really super busy that <clears throat> thinking about my own stuff had just kind of fallen away and then the years passed by and it's like 2010 and that's when I, I got a call from Carl Zimitaga again who was Guy's guitarist saying, hey, do you want to come and do this corporate gig with Guy in, in uh, Hamilton Island? Mm. And I... I was like, cool. He's like, yeah, here's a list of 30 songs um, that he may or may not do. <laughs> and the gig was like two days away. Oh, geez. Um, and I was like, okay, just in my usual calm. I was like, cool, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, thanks. And I just got over I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> um, and there was a couple of duets in there and I'm like learning these duets. And then we get to the gig. The reason I remember this is because this is how I kind of started back with Guy. Right. Is um, we went and did this gig, sang a couple of songs, and he looked at me after the gig and goes, hey, um, so why did we stop working together again? And I was like, I don't know, bro. You're just life. <laughs> you tell you me, man. A couple of, you tell me. Yeah, I was he still didn't hire me. No, I was still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been here. Um, <laughs> um, and then he goes, yeah. That was done. Anyway, um, do you want to just sing for me for me from now on? And I was like, okay, sure. And at the time I was just thinking, cool, it'll just be some corporates. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was from that point that he completely changed his image and, um, like, his branding and he had, like, Out of Love, all these massive hits. Because that, that period between Idol and, like, when he kind of made a resurgence, he was kind of quiet. So I just thought it was going to be a couple of gigs here and there. Yep. <laughs> just blew up. From that moment, it was like we did tour after tour after tour and I'm still here. Right. I mean, we've known each other for a long time, but 
it's since yeah 10 years now of solid touring with guy and when i say touring like he tours he does a lot of touring and he does the regionals you know yep so he gets out there mm. um you did a support act gig um with chris Bre- for chris brown with, uh, with, Jess. with Jess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. See? See, lucky you have this info. <laughs> I forgot. Um I'm just interested to know about what what he was like, what Chris Brown's like, because he's a bit of a douche these days. I'm I'm saying that. He's not <laughs> gonna, he's not gonna hear this. <laughs> um oh look. Um it was it was all I it was a very short meeting, but that that whole kind of run of gigs for me was a blur, a bit of a blur, just because my my dad had passed at oh. that time. It was 2011, yeah, and and we had this tour, and I rang. I remember ringing Daryl, and I said, "Hey, D, listen, my dad died yesterday. I was just, I was like, you're gonna have to just listen and not talk because I won't be able to get through. My dad's died yesterday. I know we got this tour next week. I'm coming to rehearsal. It was a Monday. I rang him on Tuesday. I said, I'm coming to rehearsal tomorrow." I just would appreciate if you just didn't tell anyone. Was it a sudden a sudden thing? Or, or yeah. was he was he oh Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty sudden. He he had just pains. We knew that he was in a bit of pain, but mm. he was in the hospital for a week for a um operation, but his blood pressure was too high, so and then he just went into cardiac arrest. That was it. Oh, but um I just Daryl's a legend because he just didn't say a word, and we went and went went about our business and we did the rehearsals. And Daryl said, "Are you sure you can do it? Because I can I can get it changed." I was like, "No, I've ever the professional." I was like, "No, books, flights are booked. It's my dad's. We're burying on Monday, and I'll see you on Wednesday." Mm. Um, and he was like, "Are you sure?" I was like, "Daryl, don't ask me." <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, so so I did that tour, but it was just all, I don't think, I don't know if Jess knew either. I just asked, I had asked Daryl to just not say a word to anybody. I just wanted to, it was, I don't know if that was the right decision, like looking back, but mm. going straight into work again, because at the time, just before he passed, I was so busy. This was at a time where it was just like Stan and Jess, Guy, Stan and Jess, Guy. Like mm-hmm. my diary was just mm-hmm. nonstop. And um, I don't know now if that was the right thing to do, but I did it and I got through it. Um, but but Chris Brown just said to me, come on, Chris Brown's coming right now. I was like, right now, do you want me to leave? She's like, oh, what do I say? What do I say? I was like. You don't need to say, just say hi, my name is Jess. Thank you so much. Like, just be you. Um, not that she got a chance because he walked in the room and there was about 20, like an entourage of 20. Yeah, right. And he was like, yeah, yeah, how, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Thanks so much for coming. Okay, sweet. Okay, thank you. Bye. That was it. And Jess was just standing there in just shock. Like, what? But he had like something like four supports. Oh, right. Like it was Jess, it was someone else, someone else. It's like, who needs that many support acts? So, so um, did he have those amount of acts so he could just have a nice short show? Yeah, it was a pretty yeah? short show. It was, about, uh, it was about 80 minutes. Yeah. 70 minutes maybe. 
Yeah, but at that time, I don't know, 2011, I don't know where he was in his career, but um, it was just, I don't know, it was that quick. It was literally five seconds. And Jess, and I said, well, at least you don't have to worry about what to say. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> she had no chance to get a word in. Right. So can I tell that's all I know about Chris Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That kind of paints the picture. That's the picture that I kind of had. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was just, he's a young guy that was just at the top of the charts and mm. that was it. Yeah. So 2012 was the Galaxy Tour with Stan and Jess. Yes. Right. So talk a bit about that. Um, they had just released a single, I think, um, that year and I had secretly not really told anyone auditioned for a voice that year as well. Uh-huh. So it was in between like um, thinking about auditioning or maybe I'd know. I think I'd already auditioned but no one knew. So um, <clears throat> in the meantime, I was just continued working. And um, So just, just on the audition, did you, did you audition off your own bat or did you have somebody approach you and, and ask you? Why no, you somebody, approached, somebody approached Approach me. you, yeah, okay. They they made the kind of they they rang okay rang me and basically asked and at that time I like my that year my dad had passed I got got married in the October um so I was just like I don't know do I want you whatever nothing much is happening sure it I, it, it was I didn't put that much thought into it just because I I didn't know what it was I didn't know what the voice was but I was like it definitely was pitched to us. Um, this is about singers and, you know, it's not like the other shows. And um, But but I had a healthy distrust. I was just like, okay, sure. Okay, I'm going to take your word for it. But I kind of in the back of my mind was because I had worked on Idol and I had seen the, the kind of machine that it was. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, kind of went, oh, it'll be fun. I'll just give it a go. Why not? Mm-hmm. And they kind of had said, oh, this person's going to do it, this person that you know is doing it, this person that you know is doing it. So I just um, I just was like, yeah, all right, cool, I'll give it a go. Um, so, yeah, so by the end of 2012, uh, sorry, 2011, I was just like, okay, whatever, let's just go. So then the auditions came around and, man, I haven't spoken about um, the voice since the voice. <laughs> Good. That's, that's why we're here. No, this is cool. Um, so then I don't know if you know what happened to me on the voice, but. Um, <clears throat> so for a start, for the, for the, for the, for the auditions, the blinds, you had, you had all four chairs turned, right? Well, was, yeah, I did. <laughs> I mean, whatever the hell that means. Um, it's like. Um, yeah, I sang it. I remember the producers because, you know, you had to kind of go in there with, um, like, what you thought you might sing. Mm-hmm. And at that time I was doing, like, my fun kind of covers band and I always did How Come You Don't Call Me by Prince. Yep. Prince, everyone, Prince. Prince. Not Alicia Keys, Prince. <laughs> um, no, because that they were like, oh, the Alicia Keys version, I was like, no, 
the Prince version. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but they kind of were like, yeah, that's a cool song, why don't you sing that? So there wasn't too much discussion. It was all very secretive. Mm. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever, I'll sing it. Um, and you're allowed two people to take there. Um, now, look, I can say this now. I um, or I did the audition, but but I remember at the time. I can say this honestly now that Rich was like, I don't want a part of it, <laughs> and um, only because he was. I was probably, if not the last person to sign the contract, um, because Rich was going through it with a fine tooth comb, and he was like the whole time he was saying to me, maybe this is airtight, you are 300, if they choose to sign you, you are 360 degrees signed, sealed, management, everything, whether you like it or not, Mm. they take a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry to burst the bubble of people who are listening right now about this stuff, but it is what it is. Um, um, And so... He said, if you're willing to take that risk, I'm going through this contract. And he was back and forth with the lawyers going, what's this clause? Why is this in there? Why are you taking it from this? And at that time, it was a collective. So if one got um, their contract changed, then everyone got a change at that time. Um, And he got some changes, but he was like, look, I'm just sure you want to do this. (laughs) Mm. And I said, yeah, but, you know, um, because I know Rich and um, how much he respects and loves me, that he was just like, I can't watch it. I don't want to watch this because if they don't turn, I'm just going to punch a wall or something. Mm. Um, And I said, no, sweet, I get it. I was, like, so cool about it. And, And to be honest, they had you there from, like, 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. some days filming. And it, uh, me being 27 or whatever I was at the time, I knew that that was just TV tactics to make people tired and frustrated and get reactions that, you know, you normally probably wouldn't have um, to make you angry. And mm. and so I, I took my mum and my sister because I just knew that they would be coming, whereas a rich would have not want if they told him to say something he would have been like nope and I respect that I'm like cool man don't come because I know you won't be happy to 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 be there and that's Mm. fair enough Mm. so my mum and my sister came I just chose two people that I knew were going to make me feel happy and relaxed and of course I wasn't on till probably 10 p.m that night Mm. and um the cool thing was is that um the band were pretty much my band that played my originals all those years ago. It was Scotty, it was Dolch, it was um oh no, it was Timmy Hartwig, it was um what was a trout, you know. Um so I just felt like all my friends were playing for me. Right. And I remember looking at them and Scotty just gave me a wink and I was like, let's play the song we play every week. <laughs> Um, yeah, and the rest is history, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I mean, it was 
it was cool, but it was just, I don't know, it was a weird feeling. It was like, okay, I'm just seeing the song I sing every week. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it was a very short time, I've got to say that. Yep. I didn't have enough time to really make any kind of impact. Um, right, well, let's talk, but they definitely, let's, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the, the controversy then. Mm. Right. So oh, the controversy. Right. So they said that you officially broke the spirit of the rules. <laughs> right. So how did that all go down? Okay. So the controversy. Well, um, hmm. obviously they called us, so they knew that we were all working musicians, the mm. ones that were. And so uh, a guy called me and he was like, Come, I think I'm doing this session for me, like it's for my new stuff and like a couple of BBs. So I went in that night and I did maybe three songs. And then a couple of days later he was like, come have a coffee, meet me in my studio um, in Surrey Hills. And so I did and he's like, hey, come, do you reckon you could sing like, oh, no, I'd already, sorry, sorry, I'd already done the vocals for this song called Gold. Okay. Um. But at that time, it was just a song. That was one of the songs in the session. Mm-hmm. And then um, he goes, hey, look, oh, I want to have a coffee with you. And so I had a coffee with him and he's like, hey, look, Dennis Hamlin wants to release Gold as a single. I was like, cool. And, <laughs> and he was like, with you on it. And so, I like, sorry, who's, so who's, who's Dennis? Is that, he's the man- Dennis Hamlin the manager? is... Um, no, that's that's um, Sony's like the head, okay, uh, CEO, right. or, you okay. know, gotcha. whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, he he was like, yeah, he loves the song and he reckons that's the single. I was like, okay, cool. So when and what? <laughs> and he said, oh, original. Like we were pitching it for. He was trying to get like a a name artist on that song, and my vocals were to be like the demo. Um, and then um, what happened after that? Yeah, it didn't happen that way and it was just all very casual as, as sessions are. Mm. And um, I said, okay, cool. And then we just didn't talk about it really much after that. And then the show aired because I don't know if people know, but sorry to burst your bubble, it's not live. <laughs> um, the blind auditions are not live yep. anyway. Um um, and so that all went to air, and then in that time somewhere, <clears throat> guy w- was going to release gold, and it was like um, I was probably a bit naive in that way, but I just was like, oh, I don't, do we need to release it now? Like now, now? So I'm just about to go into lives because mm. I'd already done the battles, you know the yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. battle someone, yep. I, and I'd won that. And so I was about to go do some lives and then it just, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know how it happened, but it was like, because in the contract you are still allowed to work. So officially it was just, I was just doing some work and then it was like, oh, can you come do the video? And I was like, "Mm, okay, okay. For me it just felt like, oh, all right. And so I went and did this video. And then we get a co- Rich and I get a copy of the of the video, <laughs> and 
and we saw the video and it was just like front and center hey could it speak to me <laughs> anymore yeah, that's right <laughs> i just remember rich and i both of us just were like this by the end of it we going i think um, we're in the shit <laughs> and i just said to rich do you reckon i'm in some deep shit right now <laughs> and he was like you look awesome. <laughs> I was like, thanks, babe. Um, and so and so then then it got to this kind of build up and then it was like, oh, it's time for your like sessions with your mentors on on the voice. And it was kind of the first week that we were gonna do our lives. Mm-hmm. And I get set up and it was taking forever. I don't know why they were taking so long, and then all of a sudden I'm I'm um, like taken into this room and it was basically them going, you can't do that. And Joel, my coach, Joel Madden was saying, you know, this was the real world and you'd get sued. And there was a whole lot of expletives that got cut out because I was like, are you effing serious? (laughs) Turn the microphones off. I just turned into like Mount Druitt girl, straight out of Mount Druitt. I was like, what? What are you what the heck? You don't know me. And I just, I just said, all right, well, what do you want to do? Like, you clearly have already, you've all made your decisions. And he's like, in his ear listening to the producers, I was like, stop talking to the producers and tell me what you want to do. You're going to kick me off? What are you doing? So then it just became this whole thing. And then they basically came in and said, you know, you can't be on the show. And their official statement was that I broke the spirit of the rules. Now, Thank goodness that Rich had gone over the contract because there was all these, like, clauses in there that actually they couldn't say that I had broken. And for me it was just like, well, hang on a second. You're saying that it's an advantage for me but, like, there's Delta's backing singer. You know, but there was all these, like, comparisons that they were making and I was like, well, hang on. You You can't say that kind of stuff and then have, like, all these people on there that make it, an advantage over yep. someone else, you know. But it was definitely, for me, like if I can look back, there was probably TV wars going on as well. Like I was on the X Factor, I was uh, on The Voice, you right. know, so there was all this politics that I probably to, to this day don't know about. Yep. But um, at the end of the day, I just remember because The Voice was being um, filmed in uh, the Fox Studios and Guy was doing a show at The Horden coming up, right. which is right next, next door, door literally. Yep. So yep. every day I would come in for filming because these are long days where you're not doing much. There's lots of promises that just never come to fruition. Mm. Oh, we might have an interview. Oh, there might be this. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'd rather just go work, honestly. Yep. 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 Um, you know, for the teenagers that are, like, excited and new to it all, they're like, yay. But for me it was like, this is a bloody 12-hour day. Are you kidding me? Mm. Um and I would pass every day and see the picture of Guy's tour that I was supposed to be on but couldn't because I was on the show. And I just remember, like, my heart sinking a little bit, mm. thinking I miss, I miss a lot of being. Yeah. I just, I, I, this, this whole thing of, um, like, waiting around for 12 hours to sing a minute of a song is just killing me. Yeah. I don't I don't care enough about this. Yeah. And so it just felt like when all of it all came out and it was like all over the news for like two days because, you know, news 
was over like that. Yep, yep. I was like, oh, people get over this, whatever. Um, and then I remember ringing Guy literally the, the, the day that it happened because I was quite shocked and upset, mm. as, as you would be, even yep. though, you know, I was just like it's a TV show. But it was just like the way that it happened felt really not nice. Yep. So um, he rang me and he was like, come on. I'm so sorry. I do, like never in my wildest imagination could I have thought that they would do this ever. Which you know, I look back on it now. I'm like, <clears throat> I was the first and only to ever be disqualified. <laughs> I am. Wear that badge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you know that was hard. It was hard for my. It was hard to for my family. Yeah, for sure. Like they were. You know, they're my champions. So they were just like, that was hard for me. See, I get emotional thinking about it. That was hard for me to see them like so upset for me because mm. I think, you know, seeing seeing their baby sister on the television, finally seeing for herself, it was like, oh, my God, yes. You know, and we'd all lost dad. So it was all like, oh, my God, dad, dad would want this for you because like my dad was just like, my dad lived in a place where it was like he was um, so loved me and what I was doing so much mm. that he couldn't understand that why I was seeing for other people. It was it was a real uh, for a little while. It was a source of um, frustration for him. Yeah. But you know, like I said, uh, he is. It's hard to explain the industry to my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just seen his daughter, who he thinks is shit <laughs> and she's not singing out there at the front mm. which he felt like I should be and and it, it there were moments where I was like dad you can't it doesn't work like that the industry just doesn't work because you think I'm great it's like there's a shitload of great singers out there mm. it's there's there's timing and there's luck and there's all these things but for him it was like no I don't care about this stuff mm. you should be in the front so I think we had lost dad and then and then all this stuff happened and my family were like, yes, Carmen's going to win it, you know. And I didn't have the heart to go, no professional singer's going to win this. Um, <laughs> until, of course, Diana. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's a many, many years later. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I think he um, – that whole experience was, was a whirlwind of emotions for everyone. Mm. Yeah. But I had fun. I had fun. I met Diana on there and I had fun for like the two months or whatever that we were there, yep. not even. Mm. Yeah. And then a bit after that you ended up doing a bit of a mini tour with Diana. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. we kind of connected on um, some level of just singing and you know, I mean, I'm sure you know how good she is. Yeah. And so it was just like Rich and I actually kind of thought, oh, um, oh sorry, just to backtrack. Yeah. But straight after that call with Guy, he just kind of said, I said to him, do you think I can come back on tour? Because mm. the tour was like in less than a week, I think. Mm. And he was like, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. So for me, like in some respects, like a lot of the people that go off those shows can't get back to work straight away. They're, they're in contracts of some. But for me, it was like 
once that whole controversy happened, I was just let go completely. So just cut ties completely. Completely. Which was actually amazing for me because I could just get back to work, which is what I wanted. Yep. Um, and so I did. I went on a national tour with Guy. And then after that is when Rich and I were like, we should do a little run with somebody. Like you should do something with someone off the voice. And I was like, damn, this is amazing. Mm. And um, it was a pretty successful run, I would say. Like for t- we just, Rich and I came up with the idea of just like, we each do our own music, a set of our own music, mm-hmm. just with a guitarist. Mm-hmm. So I did it with Rich, she did it with her partner, Eric. And then we came together and just did a few songs. Cool. Just acoustically. Because it just meant that we could get our music out there, sell merch and maybe make some money from it, which we did. We kind of, it was pretty good. We broke even. But um, that was really fun because it, it just meant that we could, talk to an audience, which I hadn't done in so long, so many years, and I realised that I loved it. Mm. Do you think with that that whole controversy thing and and being kicked off the show probably raised your profile a little bit? Oh, for sure. I mean, I I know for me, because I remember when it happened, it it certainly, for me, looked like it raised your profile and and Mm. made, made me interested in your career. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you probably got a whole new legion of fans from that, eh? Yeah, fully. I mean, I mean, I think most people felt for me. Mm. They just felt like that was a bit unfair. Um, I think most people kind of saw through it for what it was, and mm. and I felt I felt happy that I suppose I did those two songs on that show, and I showed what I can do in some respect. Yep. Um, and it and it it didn't hurt that I could go straight back to Glasby. Right, that's cool. Like that's just and sing gold every night. Mm. You know, yep. so like, yeah, for sure it did. And I think I that's why um, we wanted to do that run with Diana. It was like it was still fresh in people's minds. The voice so it was like let's just hit this and hit it hard mm-hmm. I, I had music I had been working on new music so I had music ready to go <clears throat> um yeah so it just all kind of it all just kind of flowed from there so for I had a little break of original music but then I just I don't know I must have had like a little hit of creativity and I yeah. <laughs> released a whole heap of songs in 2012 and 13 yeah and one of them was uh, Breaker of Hearts, and the video clip for that is dope. That's so <laughs> oh, cool. Oh, oh, Shannon. I remember when it came out, and it was so. It seemed so original. It's a little bit twisted too, eh? That clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's because my friend Shannon. I don't know if he's on this um, Instagram, but um, he. I, I met Shannon weirdly. See, I didn't put this in my bio, but. Um, I met him when I did, um, I just decided to do a little amateur production of Rent and I played movie and he was like one of the creatives there mm. and he's just this genius brain and he did the animation, the whole story. He was just like, I've got it. And I like, and I just, because I trust his creativity, I think he's a genius. Mm. I just was like, do your thing, do your thing. And like my brother's in that video, he's the guy with the like Fijian taps. And he ah, like, right. 
<laughs> That's my brain. He's like sitting um, on the sitting on the couch at the start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he even and the little sis from- leaves, and then he, he rocks up at the end in the golf cart or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. Because he's like taken my friend Shannon has taken all these like images of my mum's house. Like he's made it look like my mum's house. Right. Like is the detail I would only pick up on, like right. because I, I know him. And he knows me. Right. But, like, he even got pictures of my brother's tat and copied it exact. Oh, wow. It's insane. But um, I'm glad that you mentioned that song because he um, would so appreciate that you liked that video because yeah. it is. it is It's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. And the, the fat, greasy sort of guy, who was he? Was he made after somebody or? Yes. Right. Can you guess who? Isn't it, it's that, uh, what's his name? Ron, is it Ron Jeremy? Oh. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that that whole era was a little bit, uh, you know, and funnily enough, people think I was writing those songs to be a bit of an FU to the voice, but right. honestly I'm not the type of person to um, hold on to too many things like that. It's like it was what it was mm. and this music was actually written because the first single that I released after um, The Voice was They Don't Know Me mm. and it was like, they don't know. It was all attitude and but it actually was written long, maybe six months before The Voice. Right. It wasn't really an FU. I don't have those kinds of, um, I'm pretty tenacious. I'm just like, okay, it happened. Let's mm. keep it moving. Mm. Life goes on. Mm. People don't care that much, I feel. Mm. So 2013, it's off on another tour with Guy. Yeah, oh, mate, that was huge. That was 54 dates or something. Man, that was, um, but it was with David Ryan Harris. Do you know David Ryan Harris? Not personally, no. He plays, for those of you who don't know, he plays for John Mayer and he's just an insanely amazing. Guy knows him because they wrote a lot of songs together. Mm-hmm. Um. He's just an insanely amazing artist and to do a massive tour like that with somebody that um, just that much talent and experience is one in a million, mm. I, you know, in terms of a lifetime. Mm. But, yeah, the regional touring was so, I, I mean, I think it's my favourite kind of touring because you've got these like little intimate audiences and they don't get those kinds of shows. The show we put on, man, guy shows are like no joke. Mm. It's two two hours plus mm. of nonstop. It's um so yeah, that that tour was that was but it's intense. It's like it was more than three months away from home. That was up. Mm. But that's that was before child. Yeah, right. And you also went to Eurovision. With Guy. Yeah. Oh, man, what was that like? Man, oh, that was cool. Because um, none of us really knew if he was going to take anyone with him or what what the deal was there. Then it ended up, I ended up getting the call. I was like, are you serious? Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, and then he, and we did it with three other friends from Guy, uh, that Guy knew from the US, mm. singers. Um but there was a lot of choreography. I mean, this was serious planning, you know. It was like choreographer in the US and it was all like video rehearsals and then we got there and I don't think I've ever rehearsed a song longer in one song right. ever in my life. Mm. It was like I think it was a good, felt like two weeks of rehearsing. Yeah. 
But, you know, the thing is, I don't know if people realise, but it's like you're only allowed five people, including the actual act, on stage. Right. There's no more than five people on stage. It's completely live vocals, so no one's allowed to be. There's no mommy. Mm. It's all live. And then there was all this choreography happening, and it was Australia's, like, first year into Eurovision competing. So it was just like, whoa, man, this is... This is some pressure, but um, I don't know. It just felt like every time it was like Australia and you had to, because there's all these rehearsals with crowds. The crowd is in there, but you're rehearsing. Oh, right. So it was just like every time Australia was mentioned because we were new the first year, it just felt like, I felt like, is this what it's like to be an athlete at the Olympics? Yeah. yeah. Every time we walked out, I was like, go Australia, the flags. People were losing their minds. Um, and I just said to Kai, I, this just doesn't feel real, <laughs> real to me. It's so just... so was it in was it in an arena or was it in like a Yeah. Just, oh, right. So it's it was um we were in Vienna. Right. And it's it was um it was this huge arena. Huge arena. But the the uh how do I say it? Like the the whole technical side of it. Mm. It's like you would walk through this hallway and then you would go into a room and they had your photos up there and then they would give you the correct mic because it matched the photo that they had on the TV screen and it was just like there was no room for error, no room. Um, And then our rehearsal happened and I remember the choreographer. When you've been rehearsing something for like two weeks and then the choreographer, I think the move was something like, clicking our hands or something and then she was like guys we've just realized it's not working we need you to change it for the grand final and I was like my brain almost exploded I was like it was something simple like that instead of that but when (laughs) when someone's like when you drilled it into your head and now at the last second you want to change it I was like I'm going to screw it up I'm going to screw it so was was it somebody from from the Eurovision management was saying that that doesn't look good or something. Or, this is guy, no, oh, this guys, is guys, guys, crew. Like, okay, right. The choreographer, they were like, we're just thinking that this move doesn't work. And I'm like, why did you tell me this a week ago? <laughs> it, at that point, it didn't, it wasn't, it seemed simple. But when you've got that pressure and yeah. the TV and the live and the Australia's first year and the whole, it just felt like the whole country was watching us. Yeah. Oh my god! But man, I still count that as one of the most fun things I've ever, ever done, ever. So fun, very cool. so good, yeah, really cool, very cool. Okay, so I was back home after Eurovision, and it was the yeah. back on another guide tour, the You Me Us tour. Oh, actually, yep. it would have been the Madness tour. Oh, okay, yep, yep. And then it would have been the You Me Us tour. Okay. Um. Yeah, that was fun because it was a it was a, a it was a Melbourne based band, mm-hmm. so everyone was from Melbourne except me mm-hmm. um, at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was cool because I met a whole heap of musicians, and I think that's where the seed kind of got planted. Like, because I've always loved Melbourne. Mm. All, in all my travels, I'm like, man, Melbourne is the bomb. Mm. I think it planted the seed. Like, oh my gosh, even the musos are beautiful. Not that they're not awesome in Sydney, but I think when you born and raised in Sydney, it's like, okay, I don't know. It just felt like I was in a little bit of a rut maybe mm-hmm. and I just needed a change. 
then I met these boys who are just like they're my family now. Um, and yeah, we did that that run of tours, mm. and then uh, that was it. After that, I came. Um, I rang Gary and I was like, "Can I come hang out in Melbourne for a bit?" Mm. He's like, "Yeah, of course, of course." You know, the most I, I don't know. You need to get Gary on this show. He's yep. just yep. the best stories and the best human ever. Cool. I said, can I come stay over? And he was like, yeah, come, come. And after three weeks I was still there and Rich was like, mm, are you ever coming home? And I was like, you need, to get, you, need to come, you need to come over, come over. And so I came over and Gary lent me a car and I was just driving and I was like, we're going to go to this place. And Rich was like, um, do you live here now? Um, and I said, I just feel like I do. I, it just feels so natural for me, this place. Yep. And... Um, yeah, and that's kind of that kind of we planted that seed. I planted it in Richie's head, and then by twenty seventeen, like yeah, early twenty seventeen, we were here. Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that it was. I don't know if it was the music scene or I just needed a change. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was up Melbourne, so why not? Mm. And then you started doing a few gigs, and you know, another tour with Guy. Mm. And there was a George Michael tribute, and, oh, and that was mate. back back with Natasha and and Gary and Jade. That gig is a highlight, right? Okay, for let's, sure. Let's go. Uh, that gig had Diesel on it. Mm-hmm. Like there was a whole heap of lead singers, kind of acts, mm-hmm. superstars, whatever you want to say. Um, it was Sam Sparrow was on there, um, which I was quite nervous about because I've been a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who else? Diesel, Brendan McLean, David Campbell. Who else? I can't remember. Mm. But Gary, uh, Natasha Stewart, Jay McRae, and myself were doing the backing vocals. And Paul Gray um, was the music director mm-hmm. on that show. And he rang me, and I was like, oh my gosh, couldn't get a better bunch of singers to mm. do BBs for this. Mm-hmm. Not to talk myself up, but those three, oh, my gosh. So um, we started, and weirdly, I've known, like, I've known and seen Jade for years, but we had never, ever, ever worked together. Um, and so that was that was the time where it was like, okay, we're finally going to get to do this. And, man, best. It was just the best. She was like, how have we not worked together before? And I was like, I don't know because I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I was. I felt like I was just class clown. I was cracking jokes the whole time. Um, but that show, the, the particular show we did, was the show that George Michael was coming to do before he passed. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we were actually doing the arrangements, everything that were going to be the show far out it was just four nights of unbelievable singing and you know like david campbell diesel sam sparrow it was just such a good show it was Mm. such a good show but for for some weird reason it didn't it was supposed to go national and then it did come back but a year later with completely different people right for whatever reason but in that short time um i became really really great friends with sam sparrow and he came back and we hung out. It's just he's the most beautiful. I knew I was like, I knew we were meant to be friends. I didn't know you, but I just knew I could feel it. And um 
yeah, he, we, like we still speak. He's just amazing. But that that whole gig, I count that as one of like one of the highlights. Highlight gig for sure. Just the sound right. of the four of us singing because we were doing leads as well. Like Jane, Jay got up and um, did some stuff with David Campbell. I did do it with Sam Sparrow. Three of us girls did um, Too Funky together. It was so much fun, was, you know, and I forced choreography on everyone because <laughs> that's what I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it, um, that, that I put that in there because I still just think about that gig and it makes me smile mm. all it's, the time. And, and something else was going on around that time that you didn't realise at the time. Oh my gosh! What an idiot! Okay, this is the thing. <laughs> I I am I I like to exercise, so I was just kind of keeping fit. And I remember seeing a little like extra bulge on my tummy, and I was like, "Oh, work harder, come." And so I went hard that time for the George Michael thing. I was like working out hard. I was like, "What is with this?" And then I just ignored it <sighs> till about the end of July. And then I was like, I think it was Rich that said, hey, do you think you might be pregnant? I was like, don't be, oh, my God, I might be pregnant. <laughs> and so I went and got about five tests and sure enough. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I was pregnant. And and I remember telling Rich and he said, are you happy? And I was like, I've got so many kids this year. <laughs> that was my first thing. It was right. like, oh, my God, I've got, because I had just moved to Melbourne and, like, I don't know how just luck would have it. See, luck. Yeah. Um, I got the Tina, I, I got asked to sing with Tina Arena. Mm. Like in, I don't know, June or mm. something. Mm. And I was like, I've just moved here. It's amazing. Um, and I was getting to know the local music scene here. And, and then I was pregnant in the really crappy part of pregnancy where you're sick and stuff. I had to do the Tina thing. Mm. You don't know how... Just, I was so upset that I was feeling badly because, like, Tina Arena is like the first live concert I ever saw in my life right. as a kid. Right. I was like 12. Mm-hmm. My sister bought me the tickets, and I remember saying to my sister, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sing with her one day. And so, to be in this room and feeling, you know, morning sickness, and I'm sick there singing chains, it's like, oh man. I wish I could enjoy this moment more, but I want to puke. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I do remember being on stage because, you know, it was weird. Every time I was on stage, I didn't feel nausea. Everywhere else I was sick. Right. I remember crawling to the car. Rich was like, you shouldn't drive. I was like, well, I have to get to the gig. But then every time I was on stage, but there was one time, I think it was in Melbourne, where I grabbed Gary's hand because he, of course, I was seeing with Gary. Yeah. Um, he, I grabbed his hand and I think he knew that I was like, I'm going to puke. And it was in chains. We're singing like the best song ever. <laughs> baby, baby. And I just like grabbed Gary's hand and I couldn't sing. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to puke. And he, Gary's got this like crazy grip and he just gripped my hands until it passed. And oh, it just, passed. <laughs> I was waiting for the moment. And nah, then- nah. It passed, it passed. But and I then we get like, to the oh, we man. get to the high point of the song and I had to turn around and go, No, that oh didn't come. God. Bugger, no, man. No, no, <laughs> I'm too, I'm far too professional for that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but then that year 
it was a busy year. Mm. I um, did that and then I did another tour with Guy. We did another tour and I was like by the end of it, I was about 24, five weeks pregnant. Yep. Six weeks. And I was like, okay, I need a rest. Like I want, I actually just want to spend the last trimester just laying in the sun on the beach and doing nothing Mm -hmm. because I'd had such a massive year. Mm. It was not to be Mm. because my son came far too early, 10 weeks early. It was June, March, Mm -hmm. middle of March, and he came Jan 3rd. Right. um, While I was visiting family for Christmas in Sydney. So we were kind of stuck in Sydney for a month, oh, shit. and then a, and then another month in a hospital here in Melbourne, right? Because he was tiny; he was like one point two kilos. Um, you just what do you do? You just have to wait for them to grow. Yeah. Um, that was a hard time. Yeah, Fire out, man. Sure. It was like, oh, I was. I don't think I prepared myself at all. I just worked the whole time. Right. So, so in, in in hindsight, do you think you may have worked too much? Uh, I mean, who can say? Who can say? Who can, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like. It's probably a dumb question, that one. No, nah, no. Nah, like, but maybe, maybe it was, but I wouldn't know now. Um, but I, I definitely think when I, once I had baby and then you've got that time where it's just you and him because he's really he's tight. Like I was just I was stuck. I was forced to stop for two months because I couldn't work. Mm. And he was, and by the time we got him home, he was like a newborn born size, right. not even right. But he'd already been here for two months, right? Gotcha. And then I get home, and then I've got to do that whole like bonding and doing all of that stuff. Meanwhile, guy, guy goes on a tour. I know this doesn't sound, this sounds ridiculous, but I remember thinking, man, I felt like I was mourning my old life or something. Right. Because I went through these whole things of like, people are going to forget me. No one's ever going to hire me again. You do, you go through these stupid thoughts when you don't know. Hormones too, I guess. Yeah. um, Mate, porridge. Um, Oh, far out. Um, but the, it was all of that and then it was just like I'm not working because a lot of who I, like my identity was wrapped up in touring and gigging and being around people and, like, it's all fun, fun, fun. Yep. And then it's like yep. silence and you just, it's you and this baby and you just, they're your responsibility and, like, it's all you can think about day and night. You know, and that's a lot. So I was just like, oh, man, I don't know if this is ever. And then gigs started to come back in and maybe when baby was about four months, mm-hmm. five months, mm-hmm. and I took it on mm-hmm. after because, like, having a um, premature baby is quite a traumatic experience <laughs> and it was a pretty dramatic birth. But um, I think that maybe... I probably could have slowed down and not taken so much work. I'm just putting charge in. All good. And uh, yeah, I just took on I took on work quite early. If I think about it now, mm. it's like man, I could have probably just slowed down. But I think I just I was like I want to work. I want to work again. Mm. And so I just did. I started, but then I kind of I pulled back, and then it was 2019 was a big year. Mm. And I, I, I actually blame myself for 
I, I just took on way too much. Mm. I started saying yes to th- all these things. Like 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 extra like extra stuff that you wouldn't extra. usually right like what extra like um David Campbell Tim Campbell um like all these like Tashi was seeing with Tim yeah. Campbell a lot yeah. um just all these one off gigs it was like I was learning these massive repertoires mm. and it's like but you've got a one year old and <laughs> life is not life is not before where you can just go yeah sweet as I'm gonna do that and that and that and that and that. It was just like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing to myself? And then Guy guy had his national tour um, and then we went to Amsterdam in December. Mm. It was just like, and I just kept filling my calendar and it's just like now and um, I remember saying at Christmas time, just gone, I'm never doing that again. Mm. Like I just don't ever want to feel like this. Mm. It was just constant. I was just wrapped with guilt because mm. it was like I've got to work. I've got to work because this is, we need to pay our bills. Mm. But it was just like, did you need to take all of those things? Yeah, right. <laughs> probably not. Right. Um, but there's definitely a, a habit. It was probably a habit of just saying yes. Sure, sure, I can do that. It's like it's not the reality right now. Mm. Or anymore. So I think I remember just making a promise to Rich and myself, like, I'm just never going to let myself work myself and stress myself out that much ever again, mm. ever. Um, and then, of course, um, as you know, this, Natasha got sick again. Um, 2000, we should mention that Natasha asked me to go with her on 2019. She asked me to be her support person on The Voice, which was an interesting call because I think she felt really um, weird about it. She's like, come, you don't have to do it. And, like, I know that you had all this history with her. And I was like, sweet, I'll do it. I don't care. I've got no, I'm fine. Mm. Like, as, as, long, as long as they don't try and make a story out of me being there. Yeah, Like, I'm true. literally there just to be yeah, true. your support person. Mm. And and, and did like, they yeah. and, and did they try? Did they try? No, all? no, good. No, because I think Natasha warned them, and yeah. also I'm pretty good. By that time, I was at an age where I wasn't so shy anymore. Yeah, I would have politely told them to f off. <laughs> um, was there some of the same people there, like the uh, oh, uh, yeah, producers yeah. and that but, kind of thing? Yep. Oh, uh, producers, not so much. Oh, actually, yes, they were. Yes, they came to say hello to me. But the camera camera guys are all the same guys that work on all the TV shows. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, they're beautiful. Right. Sort of thing. Mm. And, and I was fine. I don't, I don't care. Like, that's the thing is, like, I don't care and you don't care that much. We're all over it. It's fine. That's it. Um, and I just felt, like, also so happy that Tash asked me to even be there. Yeah. I was like, really? That is so, it was just a beautiful thing mm-hmm. to have. And she, at that time, had only just finished chemo. So we all had, we had to be in a separate room away from everyone else because she was, her immune system was still quite weak. And, yeah, that was a good, good day. But, yeah, of course, then 2020, January, I got the call from Emma saying that, you know, Tash was in the hospital and not, Doing so well, mm-hmm. and the rest, as we know, is history. Mm-hmm. She didn't make it, but um, yeah, this is. And then 
I did a little run with Evelyn Champagne King in February this year, and then COVID happened. Twenty twenty. There's your break. Go away. <laughs> and there's that break you're looking for too, eh? <laughs> I was like, that's what I said. I've always said, like, maybe I just <laughs> spoke it into existence because. You know, I, I suppose it was just more about me prioritising my time and going, yeah, like I, I should do that. No, I shouldn't learn those 30 songs. Like I don't have time for that. Yep. But I can do that little gig. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, definitely. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's been a crazy time, hey. Yeah. I can't. I, I, I actually, I don't know what to say. I feel like it's hard for me to say this and like because we're only a few weeks in, but I I, not to be dark about it, but I actually think we're going to be in this for a while. Yep. A good while. Yep. And like I said that to a friend the other day, I text text him and I was like, I actually think we're in this for potentially more than six months, especially the music industry. Like that might be six months where we all get to like leave our homes for more than just going to the shops. Right. But then there's like the rebuilding of businesses. Exactly which we all gig in, yes. which potentially a lot of them can't come back from. Yep. I mean, who can come back from that? I mean, all the cafes have to reopen yep. and try and rebuild. That will take another six months. Mm. What I was thinking about the last couple of days was, you know, when, when we do get that green light to go back out and, you know, clubs and pubs open and that kind of thing, um, the influx of band managers and booking agents and people all of a sudden seeing these new opportunities and just flooding all these places that they maybe would never have got a a foot into last time. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. Um, Unless, unless you, I mean, you're in a situation where you, you know, you work with an established artist or artists but I mean, I'm st- there's still going to be a little bit of that. But I'm talking more about the um, the the uh, musicians that play in bands that they're on the sort of the club scene and mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and and they would you know at sometimes some of those clubs they they'll they'll book twice a year. So they'll book at the start of the year and then they'll book in June. So then they'll book from June till December every weekend, yeah. every weekend. All that's gone now. So once that sort of green light comes again all that has to start again. So you get all these agents. See, and, and that's yeah. the thing. I think there's going to be like, there is going to be an influx of work, I reckon, when all this. But but I think it's it's for it to feel like it's getting back to some semblance of normal. It's it's going to be a fair while. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I don't want to be pessimistic about it. I think I'm just trying to be. Realistic, Realistic for sure. And go and go, okay. Because, you know, I think I said this on my Instagram, like it's going to be a long time. I don't know if people realise, but it's actually going to be a long time before they get to see their favourite international artists. Yes. Because, I mean, we can't – like we can't open the borders. Yeah, yeah. And then it's that whole rebooking thing again. Like these international artists have to go through that whole – yeah. Planning stage and, you know. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I mean, if, if I try not to read too much anymore. When it was first happening, I was, like, reading Same and with stressing me, myself out. Big time. Yep. But now I'm just thinking, 
Like I feel like this thing, this COVID is um, maybe not going to disappear until there's a vaccine. Totally. Like social social distancing is cool and it's it's worked. Like it's yep. all of that's like flattening the curve or whatever they say. Yep. But at the end of the day, if we all just start going out again and there's no vaccine for this. That's it. Exactly right. And that's, and, and I mean, the, then the whole thing with airlines, like yeah. that, like that's, I, I feel like I've lived at an airport <laughs> most of my career. Right. And, and it's like we don't have those things in, they're not, like, I mean, airlines are falling apart. Yeah. So so I just think the rebuilding of things after the, the initial time when they say, okay, now you can go out. The rebuild from that is going to take ages. Yep. yep. Uh, after the six months, if it is six months, I mean that's a guess, isn't it? Yeah, They're and just I saying six months, but I think the people that that are going to do reasonably okay at the start are the people that maybe had gigs booked for. Let's just say, for example, they relax things by September October. Mm. Those there's probably a whole bunch of gigs just sitting there on hold at the moment that aren't actually cancelled. Mm-hmm. Just waiting. Oh yeah, all the, those those kind of festivals at the end of yeah, the year. Yeah, or even you know, even going back to club gigs and pubs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and yeah. even international oh, art, sure. international artists. They haven't quite cancelled yet; they're just holding mm-hmm. off. Um, you know, they'll they'll be the winners, I think, to start with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and there will be, you know, because mm. eventually people are going to be just like dying to go and see live music. Yeah, and, and but. Recovering, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be, and I think that's why I kind of was like, well, I have to do something. I have to keep singing, and I so I just kind of bit the bullet and um, just started doing some songs. Yep. On on um on your Instagram, yeah, on my Instagram, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yep. yeah, I I don't know why it made me cringe. I just think before I just was like, oh, it's just. But, but I think it's been a cool way to – and it also has forced me to get onto the keys again because, mate, I, I, do you know how much I appreciate my band members, <laughs> my bandmates? Yeah. Like these guys – this is the thing about, about like working on a skill like your voice and performing because, like, I love to perform, like actually perform. Yep. And, and to lose that, like that um, – that your job basically yep. is like it's hard to reconcile with that because like I feel like I've worked my whole life to do this. Yep, I understand. And then it's like, oh, it's but then I'm like like doing this sort of stuff. It's like, okay, well, if I'm upskilling, then that's good. That's a good thing, I guess. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I have to look at it like that, otherwise I'll go mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, there's one thing I want to mention and, and it's it's got to do with Western Sydney, Tino Arena, and the Sydney Coliseum. There was you. You put up a uh, yeah, man. A, it was an Instagram or a Facebook post. It was Instagram. Yeah, and it's it's basically your musical life come full circle. So, man. Okay. So the reason that it's full circle is, like I said, I uh, the first concert I ever live concert I ever saw was Tino Arena. Um, her Don't Ask tour because I was a kid. And I said to my sister, I'm going to sing a band. 
And then um, we came back because Rudy Hill, for anyone who doesn't know, Rudy Hill's in the western suburbs. I went to school in Rudy Hill. Um, it's near where I grew up. And it was just, I mean, anyone who's performed at the RSL, it was just an RSL club. Oh, I don't know how many gigs I've done at the RSL. <laughs> okay. Like my year 10 formal was yeah. there. Like oh, this shit. is how well I know the place. Phew. You know what I mean? Like I know every, and, and needed its every own, back street. Yeah, Rudy Hill RSL did need its own postcode. <laughs> <laughs> tried for years, eh? <laughs> um, and so I actually did swimming squad at Rudy Hill RSL. So the car park that we used to like park in to go watch events there or whatever, they built this coliseum, like state-of-the-art coliseum. If anyone's ever been there, I think we were like the second year in there. It's insane. It's so beautiful. It is. Uh, you just can't. I can't believe it's really hell. Yeah. Can't believe it. Yeah. Um. So we did a show in December last year um, with Tina. A couple of shows, two shows. Um. And like, I just remember I was like, guys, I could. You don't understand. Like down there is my primary school. And over there is my high school. Like, I'm in, I'm in my hometown singing with Tina Arena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't, I, I just, it, it never got tired for me or boring. Yeah. I was just like, I can't, I cannot believe this. I can't believe this is my life. Yeah. I'm in my hometown. Very like cool. My mum came and like Tina announced and she was like, your very own. Come. Oh, you awesome. Know, like, <laughs> I was, both almost <laughs> tears in my eyes. It's just, you know, because in Rudy Hill, like growing up in the West, back in the eighties and nineties, it just it just felt like you were so far removed from any music or like live acts, or it just it wasn't around. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to go to Penrith to go and learn to dance. Right, like it was so far away. You know, from everything. So, like. The fact that there's this state-of-the-art thing in Rudy Hill blows my mind. Every time I'm there, I pass there, I'm like, what? What is this? Because <laughs> my whole family, like my family is still in the West. Yep. So it's just, it's awesome. It's a good thing because yep. there's so much talent down that way, man. There's something in the water in the West. Just saying. Sure is. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's, That's really my full cool. circle moment. Man, that's awesome, and that's a it's a really good way to end this too. I think Carmen Smith. Yeah. Thank you so much for sitting with me tonight, and um. Oh, my pleasure. It's been it's so fun. It's been awesome. To talk about myself. Oh my <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> and 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 being my guinea pig for the Instagram live. Oh, that okay. was cool, man. Cool. That was. That was uh, cool. Yeah. You should do that every time you do your podcast. I was, don't know if I do it with everyone, but we'll, we'll see how we go. <laughs> Awesome. Um can't wait to actually meet you in in, in person. person. Um like I said, I saw you at, at Tasha's thing and I think I did m- mention to you um yeah. I wanted to come and say hello, but you know, it was the day it was full on, a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, of and, course. Yep. And I just wanna say that, you know, I thought about Tasha today. I'm like it, for me, I just I still can't believe that she's not with us. It's, it's awfully um, strange world to think about it without her in it, but that's where I'm at. It's only been a few months, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do love, I did listen to her podcast 
Oh, cool. With you. Awesome. I think I've listened to it another five or ten times. Oh, great. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Just so I can hear her voice. Yeah, that's great. Um, that's really cool. Very um, cool. But thank you so much for having me. Yes. It's been so fun. Sweet as. Looking forward to catching up soon. Yeah. Yeah. In real life. In real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carms, take it easy. All right. See you. All right. See you, see mate. Ya. Catch ya. Bye. Bye.